I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. But stay there. I'm just going to go over to or back to Romans chapter 15 and just read one verse. So you can just follow with your ears. Romans 15, chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you might abound in hope. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And I, that is Paul, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you we can be here together this morning to hear what your word has to say to our hearts. And help us all, Father, to listen attentively. Help us to listen so that we become doers of your word. Help me to be clear. Help me to speak the truth in love with a tender heart. Help me to speak in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that Robertson Reformed Community Church's faith might not rest in my wisdom, but in the power of God. Father, we want you to transform our hearts. We want your Spirit to transform us and sanctify us more into Christ-likeness. And so we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who lives in us, to help us to accomplish this. But help us now, Father, to be clear, and for me to be clear, and for all of us to listen, and to take home and apply to our lives so we can be doers of your word, and not, me, not merely hearers who delude themselves. So help us, Father. Help me now. I pray and ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I thought before we get back into the book of Acts, which, Lord willing, we will do next week, we'll get into Acts chapter 16, and we will, I think, start off with, I think, verse 6. Yeah, we were looking at the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 onwards. Well, we've seen the work of the Holy Spirit in the entire book so far, up until this chapter. And I thought, before we get into Acts chapter 16, I would refresh our minds of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's put the Holy Spirit in context of, of who He is and what He does in our lives. And He's there to convict us, to save us, to help us, to inform us, to guide us, to call us, to appoint us, to teach us, and to transform us. That's what He's been doing in the book of Acts. He's been a worker. And that's what he's been doing since the creation of the world. He's going to be doing that for, for, for eternity. Someone said the Holy Spirit is the power of God in a divine person acting from creation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 to consummation. Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. So, when we get into the book of Acts, we will continue to see the power of the Holy Spirit working through the disciples of Jesus Christ. And He wants to work through us as well. 
And I like what Lloyd-Jones said of the book of Acts. He referred to the book of Acts as the most lyrical of books and added, Live in that book. I exhort you. It is a tonic, the greatest tonic I know of in the realm of the Spirit. So if you want to be encouraged, you want to be strengthened, you want to become more cheerful, more, more enthusiastic in your Christian walk, then spend some time in the book of Acts. And maybe you can be here from Sunday to Sunday to, to hear what God has to say through the book of Acts, to see how men trusted God and allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to work in them and through them. We know that 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 people that were in the upper room. And they were told by Jesus not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, that is, the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Father to send the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, the Helper who will be with you forever, and you will receive power when He comes upon you. And what faithful, obedient servants they were. They waited and the Holy Spirit eventually came upon them and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit to receive that power so they could go out into the world and be a witness, a faithful witness for Christ Jesus. And we did see them. We did see that power. We saw how that power was worked through their lives and we will continue to see that power when we continue in the book of Acts. But the big question is, do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we believe that the one who is in us is far greater than the one who is in the world? Because when God saved us, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon us. Once we believed Jesus Christ, that power came upon us. And that power is not for us to, to move mountains and to throw cars around and to do all weird things. God gave us His Holy Spirit and the power that came with that, with that Holy Spirit to transform our lives, to change us, to sanctify us, to be more like Christ so we can love God more and then love the people on the ground more, just like Jesus did. And the power in the Greek is dunamos, from which we get our English word dynamite. And we know that the Holy Spirit is called the, the dynamis of God, the power of God. And we know dynamite comes in small packages and God can use any of us if we want to allow that power, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us first and then He can work out us into the lives of people. And it's not being smart. It's just being joyful, loving, caring, being kind, being patient, exercising self-control. It's the fruits of the Spirit that, that, that sow that or God's Word into the lives of people. They will see something different in our lives. And Christians who are clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit will allow the Holy Spirit to work in them and through them. They will do more good around people than people that just remain private in their homes who profess to be Christians. The Holy Spirit is the all-powerful, holy, glorious Spirit of the living God. His power is infinite. 
So this morning, all I want us to do is to look at two important facts to encourage us to wake up out of our lukewarmness or wake up out of our stupor, to rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit, to, to give Him that opportunity to work in us. I, I received this story and of a pastor. Maybe you've heard the story. Pastor that was called to pastor a church of 10,000 people. And he arrived that morning dressed as a, as a homeless man. He dressed, no one would recognize him. He smelt, he was dirty. But for the first half an hour, when people arrived, they went around asking for change to buy food and saying hello to people. Do you know that out of those 10,000 people, not one person gave him any money? Not one person said hello to him. When he went to sit down in front of the church, the ushers told him, no, you must go sit at the back of the church. And then the time came to announce the name of their new pastor to come forward. He did make arrangements with the elders, so the elders knew what was going on, but the rest of the church did not know what was going on. And when they called out his name, this man stood up. Pastor Jeremiah Stiepek, he stood up. And the congregation started clapping and then they're looking around they saw who it was and the clapping slowed down and then when he came to the the pulpit he recited that lovely passage when when jesus will return and he will say you on the right this is what you did for me and you on the left this is what you did for me and then he said to the congregation he said today i see a gathering of people, not a church of Jesus' disciples. They all lacked the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we here gathered as just a people? Or are you gathered here today as a disciple of Jesus Christ, enclosed with His love, His compassion, and allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you, and it's not easy. I might have been one of those people in that church that didn't greet him or didn't help him. We don't know. But it's always good to wake up and re-examine our hearts to see if the power of the Holy Spirit is alive in our hearts. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit. And after this man had finished talking to the congregation, he dismissed them and he said, Go home and think about what happened today. And then they gathered the following Sunday and things went forward in love. So the first important fact to encourage us this morning is to know that we need to honour the author of God's Word. Who is the author of God's Word? The Holy Spirit. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit to be alive in your life and my life, we need to start honouring Him as the author of the Bible. We need to show respect to Him. We need to say what Scripture says and not what we wanted to say. We need to stop twisting Scripture and taking Scripture out of context. That is to dishonor the Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible. And there are ramifications. Think about it. If you have had children, and I and have got children, young children, when they dishonor you, 
And show disrespect to you. I know when the boys and the girls growing up showed disrespect and dishonor, they were punished for it. They were taught a lesson. And today, sadly to say, you don't see many young kids respecting older people anymore, like you did in the old days. Showing respect, looking up, greeting them. Because it starts in the home. Love starts in the home. Honoring people starts in the home. Showing respect for people starts in the home. But you know what makes it worse? Is when you have a worldview out there that says that the fittest will survive. If you have a worldview to say that we come from nothing. That we evolved and we came from a blob. Or we evolved from a monkey and we treat each other like that. When you have a worldview that takes respect and dignity out of its worldview, then how can we expect people to work together in love and harmony out there? The only worldview that will bring everything together is a Christian worldview, but we need to be patient with those outside the Christian worldview and help them see that we are created in the image of God. And when you talk about being created in the image of God, then you start bringing back respect and dignity into the lives of people. Then you won't, you won't lose it with someone down the road or try to kill them because they looked at you wrong. The world is like it is because man has forgotten God. They have forgotten the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit. And we as Christians must be careful that we do not forget who the author of the Bible is. It's the Holy Spirit. And we must remember to respect Him and honor Him. We have the Bible because the Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible, chose to work through men and give us the Scriptures. That's what Peter said when he wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit worked through godly men to convey God's truth to us. And the process is called inspiration. The Holy Spirit transmitting divine truth through human agents. And remember, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a true person and He's part of the Trinity. And He's the divine agent of transmission and communication. And He's given us the Scriptures which makes them the true authority for sound doctrine and righteous living. And the scriptures are powerful because of the author. And to embrace the author means to embrace the sacred scriptures as well. How we respect this word shows how much we respect the Holy Spirit. You can't divorce the Holy Spirit from the word. He's given us the word, he's in us, and when we read the word, he helps sanctify us so we can be more godly in this world. And the sad thing is, where is the godliness in this world? Because Paul said, if you live a godly life, you will be persecuted. How often are we persecuted? I'm not saying we go out there and look for it, but if we stood up for the truth, if we sat around a table and someone spoke about abortion or homosexuality and how we knew it from the scriptures and we spoke back to them in love and with tenderness, then we would make a big difference to this world 
But a lot of the times we say, we mustn't say anything back because we don't want to offend people. That's tolerance. We tolerate too much. I'm not saying we must do what some people do and they label people. No, we as Christians, true Christians, build relationships with people and they love people that are caught up in sin and they slowly but surely turn them back to Christ or to Christ that God can save them. It's a process. It's not about labeling people and because and, 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 if it, it's just by God's grace that we are who we are and we're not worse than other people. Let's, let's look at one man who, who, who loved the author of the Bible. He was a lover of the Holy Spirit. That one man was Martin Luther. And the Reformation came about because this man honoured both the Holy Spirit, who's the author of the Bible, and God's Word. When he discovered the truth because his mind was enlightened, he didn't do it to, to bring harm to the church. They just did not want to accept the truth. Because falsehood and truth cannot mix. He was the heretic and had the heresy. Someone said the Reformation was the inevitable and explosive consequence of the Word of God crashing like a massive tidal wave against the thin barricades of man-made tradition and hypocritical living. That's exactly how that church was living. They were living a hypocritical life. Gathering together saying we love Jesus, but when it came to prove it, there was no love. There were just people looking down on this man. Self-righteousness. Someone said, this Bible, when you read it, can either make you soft and loving or can make you hard and self-righteous. And someone says, when you preach hard, sound, rebuking, but hard sermons, that softens people. But when you preach soft sermons, that hardens people. The choice is yours. The choice is ours. We either take up this book and we love the Holy Spirit, He's the author of the book, and allow Him to teach us and illuminate the Scriptures so we can walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. We can use God's Word to, to, to rebuke people, to refute people, to teach people, to correct people, and to train people in righteousness. And when I say people, I'm talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ who have swayed from holding up the Scriptures faithfully. The Reformation came about because of one man, Martin Luther, who was known as a servant of God's Word, and he said this about the Reformation. Look what he said about the Reformation. All I have done is put forth, preach, and write the Word of God. And apart from this, I have done nothing. It is the Word that has done great things. I have done nothing. The Word has done and achieved everything. And we must not be afraid if, we, if we're going to go witness to someone. Lovingly sow God's word into that person's heart. And then you can walk away and pray. 
And pray that God would do a great work, a powerful work, so that the power of the Holy Spirit can do His work in the hearts of people. We mustn't be afraid to, to, to witness people with the Scriptures. But there's a way of doing it. You can paraphrase Scripture into people's lives. You can share words directly. You can sow seeds in people's lives. Sow the truth. Water other people's seeds as well. But pray that God will give the growth and the fruition. Martin Luther was a humble man. All he wanted to do was just put God's word out there. And let the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, do the rest. He was a humble man. And he was able to do all the work through the written word because he was willing to not get in the way of the scriptures. Today, we have all these big conferences. And what do we do? We don't promote the Holy Spirit. We promote the man or woman that's going to talk. How many books they've written? What they've done? How many awards? Now, now there's nothing wrong with complimenting someone with number of books, etc., etc. But do we ever do it? Why don't we just invite someone here and we don't tell anybody who it is and we just say the speaker's coming to teach us something and that's it. And see how many people come. But we have to pump, pump man-centered stuff. What they've done, what they've achieved. The Holy Spirit, all he's doing is he's looking to work through humble people. People that honor him, honor his word, and respect him as the author of scriptures. And Paul was a man. Paul, the, the, the apostle, he respected both the author and the word of God and the word itself. He wrote to the church of Thessalonica, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel, that's God's word, came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Paul honoured both the author of Scripture and the word. And the church of Thessalonica experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, not only in their church, but also in their lives. Jesus in the garden, in the wilderness, he honoured the author of Scripture and the Scripture. He quoted the Scripture. And what did Satan do? Satan had to flee. So this first important fact to encourage us to rediscover the Holy Spirit is important to know that we must honour the author of the Bible. The second important fact to encourage us is to know that we must allow the Holy Spirit to empower the Scriptures. What do I mean by that? Well, we must read the Scriptures. We must go to the Word and pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us the truth, that He would illuminate the Scriptures and, and teach us. Because when you go to the Scriptures and you read the Scriptures and you, and you meditate on the Scriptures and you ponder on the Scriptures, then... The Holy Spirit working together with the Scriptures can sanctify your heart and transform your heart more into Christ-likeness. None of this is easy because our lives are busy and clouded with stuff. We need to find time and do it in small bites. 
You can't look at the, at the Puritans and someone back in history and see, wow, this guy spent two hours praying. God doesn't call everybody to pray for two hours. He might call you to pray for five minutes. That still honors Him. That still glorifies Him. But those five minutes might turn into half an hour. Might turn into an hour. So we must, don't be hard on ourselves. But start somewhere. Start somewhere reading the Scriptures, even if it's a paragraph. Most of the Bibles, like the ESV Bible, is broken up into passages. If I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the first five verses are grouped. Then the next, um, I think, ten verses are grouped. Start reading your Bible like that. But endure. Read from the beginning of the Bible through. And you see God's grace. You see the seed, Jesus Christ, being talked of all the time. Coming to us eventually when you get to Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy. You see the seed, the Messiah. But we need to know that we must allow the Holy Spirit to empower the Scriptures. And He can only do that if we are in the Scriptures. It's important to know that for this to happen, God needed to save us first. But when He saved us, He poured out His love into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. If there's one thing the church needs the most today, is God's love. More than anything else, I'm, I'm reading two most amazing books called Pentecost today, Biblical Basis for Understanding Revival by Ian Murray. And there's a chapter here, the power of the Holy Spirit is evident in the experience which he gives of the love of God. Most of these men that God used to bring revival were full of God's word and love. They didn't have it when they started out. The more they spent in God's Word, the more they cultivated that love, the more they experienced that love that actually overwhelmed them. It's just encouraging to know that God has given us His love to help us. To break down all that pride and arrogance that is in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit indwells us and He lives in us and He wants to help us to, to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can witness Christ into the lives of people around us. So that the Holy Spirit can empower us through the Word. He indwells us, and as we live out the Scriptures and witness the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit empowers His Word so that He goes forth to convict sinners, that's unbelievers, to repent, and then He also wants to sanctify our hearts. And transform us more into Christ-likeness. Do we want this? Do we want the Holy Spirit to, to energize us? Do we want the Holy Spirit to, to energize our speech? To, to, for us to use godly words. To pierce the hearts of the people we are talking to. The Holy Spirit wants that. He wants to take our words, words of truth and love, words that are gracious, seasoned with salt, and use them as we talk to people. That is both the unbeliever, so he can work in their hearts, 
and bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ eventually, that God can save them, or He wants to work in the hearts of Christians who are struggling so He can sanctify them and help them and comfort them. It's amazing, when Paul went around to different churches, he made sure that his speech and his preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom, which we read now in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. His words were not of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that their faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul knew he could not save anybody, but he knew one person that could save and that was God, the Holy Spirit. If he was faithful to the Scriptures, then he would know God would do a great work in their hearts. We're going to see that in Acts chapter 16 when we get to Lydia. How the Holy Spirit opened up the heart of Lydia to receive the Word and to be saved. Paul didn't go there saying, okay, now who am I going to save today? He went there with one aim, and that was to share the Gospel and leave it up to God. Romans reminds us of that. Romans um, chapter 10. There's a few verses. Um, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will anybody be saved if they, if, if they, if they don't hear to believe? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So God just wants us to live godly lives in our homes, in our workplaces, so we can be a testimony through our works. And when people ask us through our words why we are doing what we do. And Paul went around respecting the Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible, and he made sure that his words were not the words that were saving people. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is power. He is the all-powerful force behind God's promise in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, and it shall not return to me void, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. But if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and empower us, as we go around telling people of Christ Jesus, it's just going to fall on dead hearts. We can have dead words. But the choice is ours. Think about baking a cake without baking powder. It's a flop. Think about witnessing for Christ Jesus without allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. It's a flop. Think about buying a nice Ford Mustang. Beautiful. But has no engine. No power. Useless. It's through the Spirit's power, the Word of God, because it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a cerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. This Bible is a living book 
and the Holy Spirit has been given it, as the Holy Spirit has given it to us so that it can become alive in our hearts. And then it will become alive around the people we come into contact with. Like someone said, what is the point of going and buying the best Christmas tree and the best Christmas lights, but have no electricity, no energy, no power to light up these beautiful lights? What's the point in calling ourselves Christians and we don't spend time in God's Word to allow the Holy Spirit to grow us and mature us so that the power of the Holy Spirit can work out us into the lives of people? We're just fooling ourselves. But we cannot fool God because we all have to stand before God one day and give an account of our lives. And it's, a, and it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God who's a consuming fire. Hebrews warns us in Hebrews chapter 13 and chapter 10. But devout Christians, they allow the Holy Spirit to empower the Scriptures in their lives and they're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to empower their words even if it's a simple message. They trust the Holy Spirit to, to slice through hard hearts, wicked hearts, as they take a simple message. The Holy Spirit uses His power working through the Scriptures to convict people of their sin. And Christians, He uses the Scriptures to equip us, to strengthen us, to enable us to do what we've been called to do, and that's to be faithful witnesses for Christ Jesus Martin Luther said, Let the man who would hear God speak read Holy Scripture. Let the man who would hear God speak read Holy Scripture. And if we do that, and if we are doing it, then the power of the Holy Spirit will work in us and through us into the lives of people. Not in a mystical way, but in a true way where He will bring people to repentance and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that God saves them. So our second important fact to encourage us to rediscover the Holy Spirit and that is to allow the Holy Spirit to empower the Scriptures. Will we? Will we take these two important facts that we looked at this morning to wake us up out of our lukewarmness or stupor and the two facts, one is, was to honour the author of the Scriptures and the other is to allow the Holy Spirit to empower the Scriptures. Will we allow these two facts to help us rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit? Will we look to the cross and there we see where Christ Jesus died to forgive our sins? But there He also died to be buried and according to the Scriptures on the third day rise again. To conquer death. But then he also ascended and he's seated next to the right hand of his Father. Where he promised to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, power will come upon us. Will we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Will we go out there this week and trust the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us? Will we allow God's Word to, to wake us up and challenge us and to exhort us to go there and be the salt and light that we're called to be in spite of what happens to us? 
will we rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit by going back to the Scriptures, opening up, trembling at the Word of God, and asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from the Scriptures, that He would turn our eyes from looking at vanity and revive us in His Scriptures. Will we allow the Holy Spirit to help us rediscover His power working in us and through us into this world? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You how Your Word humbles us, how Your Word helps us to examine our hearts, to see in whose wisdom we're trusting in as we go out into this world. Are we leaning on our own understanding? Are we trying to be wise in our own eyes? Do we rest in, in our wisdom? Or are we really, really aligned the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us so that our faith might rest on the power of God? Help us, Father. Forgive us. Be merciful to us, Father. Forgive us for trying to be smart and clever. You're not looking for smart, clever, intellectual people. You're looking for godly people. People that are willing to live godly lives. Willing to be persecuted for the truth. People who are willing to live simple lives and share a simple message which is an extremely powerful message which brings about salvation and transformation in a person's life. Father, we know the gospel is the only thing that will save and change lives. Help us to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Help us to respect and honour the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit. And also help us to, to allow him to empower the scriptures so we can be transformed more and more into Christ-likeness and be the salt and light in this dark world. Help us, Father, forgive us. Help us now as we come to the Lord's Supper to, re to be reminded of your grace, what your grace has done for us. It's your rich and kind mercy. Help us, Father. Pray in us this morning in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.